You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello, fellow humans. It's me, Grant. This is an opening. Um, I have with me today uh, a very fun person that I like very much, and she does stuff. Uh, she's doing stuff for, like, I don't know, IDW, and she, she is in many much also good comic stuff on the Kickstarters. And, you know, she's just really good at art. Um, this is Heather Vaughn. Hello, Heather. How are um, you? I, you know what? I'm doing a good job tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> um, before, we, before we get into anything else, I just want to say how stupid are other people for never spelling your last name correctly when in order to contact you, they have to see your last name. Listen, I, on one hand, get it. I think that the extra A in the Vaughn is not common. Um, I do usually see a V-A-U-G-H-N more often than H-A-N. And I, I try to be, I try to have grace about it, but every once in a while, I'm just like, Vaughn, Vaughn, and I, you know, and I, and I, I can't even, I can't even argue too much. I can only vent in private because the, the login information on my computer, I like fat fingered it, and it's like got an extra H in my last name, and you know, my Twitter handle is only V O N. So it's like, you know, on one hand, it's like maybe, maybe they see me have no regard for myself and have also decided to like disrespect me the way I disrespect myself. But also, <laughs> though, it, it is, it's. It's right there. It's in the, it, I guess, in the email or I've signed my name or something. I don't know. It but takes like two seconds to double check. Maybe, you know what? Maybe it's auto-correcting. You think? Maybe. Maybe the computer knows that like like Vince Vaughn is V-A-U-G-H-N. Maybe it's like, who's this idiot who doesn't know how to spell her name? I like that you're being very magnanimous about this <laughs> instead of being like, these dumb idiots. <laughs> It depends on the day. You caught me on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> now, Heather, I would like to hear about your childhood growing up uh, in the wilds of Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> my, so, yeah, um, no one was watching us. Uh, I had a, <laughs> my mom worked at least two jobs and my dad bartended. Um, so like at any point in time, like one of them was sleeping and the other one was at work. So it was just assumed that we wouldn't get up into too much trouble because uh, maybe a neighbor's parents would like come out and like yell at us. But for the most part, if we weren't in school, we were like free range. And um, we actually, my little my little group of, of friends on my block uh, formed a, a gang called yeah. the South Chestnut Street Confederacy. We had a flag. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. We, we spent a lot of time riding our bikes in um back well as we say back the bush in the woods and um we would like go steer our bikes and uh that's you know like running alongside them and like getting them going and then like letting them go and seeing how far they go and we used to do that like into the stripping pits behind our high school and a stripping pit is a surface mine it's like a quarry and you really they are very dangerous you should not be around them but we used to like cliff dive and swim into them or throw our bikes into them and generally just be juvenile delinquents. Um, so we used to do that a lot. Um, I do remember one time we pulled our money and we went down to the the, um, the local supermarket and bought a bunch like of, of flats of like a treat soda, which is like our local like RC Cola brand. It's like okay. really cheap. It's like 50 cents a can or something. I don't know. You can get like a 24 pack for like $5. 
So we got like a bunch of those and like one institutional sized can of beans. And we had like a water balloon fight, but it was with closed cans of soda. And <laughs> no one came out to be like, who the, what are you doing? You're throwing whole cans of soda at each other. Um, we could have hit cars. I don't remember exactly if we like did any property damage, but we were definitely like throwing cans of whole soda, like unopened, like shaking them up and whiffing them at each other. Oh my gosh. Um, and then at the end of it, I do remember my brother and I trying to like several times throw this big can of beans on the ground to see if we could crack it open. Cause we didn't want to go inside and get a can opener. Cause then somebody would have been like, what do you have? Why do you need this can opener for outside? Yeah. And why is this, what, what is that giant, who bought you that giant can of beans? Where did you get that? And it, we didn't open it, but we did beat the hell out of that can. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, got caught setting action figures on fire in, in, in the alley a couple times. Yeah, yeah we were we were uh, <laughs> menaces. <laughs> One thing that I think is super cool about where you grew up is like the the Pennsylvania areas that you were were into like coal mining and stuff. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of folks are too familiar with that. Can you explain a little bit about Pennsylvania coal mining? Yeah, it's a it's a really so there's two spots in PA where we they mine coal. Um, out west is soft coal area, which is the same stuff they mine out in Virginia. So everybody knows about Virginia coal region. That's like all like the Appalachian stuff like oh, that. Right and they mine a they mine a coal called bituminous and it's soft. Um, in a very small part of northeast central PA, we mine we mine anthracite, um, which is the hard shiny stuff. Uh, the same stuff I think they mine in China. So it's like the only there's very few spots where you can get anthracite and that's like quote, quote, clean coal. Uh, um, but that's the, that's the stuff that's like, you know, you'd chuck it down to Philadelphia, you know, in the early days, but we had like, you know, the Molly Maguire's and, you know, uh mine union or the miners union, like getting busted up by the Pinkertons and stuff like that. So we have like a really, really interesting history with, uh, with, with coal mining and a lot of places back there still actually do use, uh, coal heat still. A lot of basements still have what we call coal holes, and oh, the truck would just come by with a, like a little slide, and you put it through the front window, and you fill up your your coal your coal hole with some coal. Um, so we still have working mines back home. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. I mean, obviously there's like four coal miners because you could just use machines now, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like like there's like giant mountains where I'm from that aren't natural. They're, they're coal refuse. That's just the, the, really? the old rock. Yeah. It's the old rock and the shale that when you mine, it comes out and that's like the junk rock. So there's that, the, the ground is like black in a lot of places. <laughs> and then there's these big surface mines, which, you know, I grew up swimming in them because they're like, they're like lakes. They're super yeah. dangerous because it's like, they, you know, you dig down hit the water table and they flood and you shouldn't swim in them because you could die, <laughs> but we always did because it was, you know, where are you going to else, where else are you going to go in the summertime to, you know, drink your beers underage and stuff like that. <laughs> and speaking of mining disasters, isn't the, the perpetual burning mine uh, yep. around that area? Yep. Um, for, for a hot second in the uh, mid nineties, I lived at the top of the hill and those that are, are familiar with Centralia will know about the Oddfellow Cemetery at the top of the hill right before um, the old detour for uh, the highway that looks like a roller coaster. They used to call it graffiti highway because um, everybody would go and like ride their dirt bikes and graffiti it. 
yeah, I used to, my mom did home health as a nurse up there and we, we kind of lived in for a while, but yeah, it's only like a mile or two up the road from where I grew up. And uh, when I was a kid, there was a couple houses. Now I think there might be like literally four houses. It's an intersection now. Um, oh, wow. My neighbor was like a family friend was the dude who fell in in like the eighties. Well, the, I think the Senator, like a state Senator, somebody, somebody was visiting and saying, it's not a problem. And the kid fell in the hole. And it was oh a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that that's on fire. The snow, the snow doesn't stick in some spots because the ground gets hot, and you got to be careful you don't fall in some spots. That's it's so dangerous. wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, how does something like that affect you as an artist? Like, how did you get started? In that oh my god! Oh my god! Well, no, I don't, I don't, I mean, my dad was a wildlife painter. He like did a bunch of like, he liked to paint deer and fish and stuff. And it, it is beautiful out there. I mean, aside from the mine disasters, it is, it is like, <laughs> it's gorgeous country. Um, so my dad was always out, like my, I grew up hunting, my dad grew up, my dad took me obviously, but he always used to draw and paint the stuff you saw out there. And my dad's art is extremely different <laughs> than the stuff I make, but, <laughs> but he, he was always drawing and I was like, I want to be like my dad. So the that that's kind of how I got going with with the art by basically um trying to be cool like my dad and my dad would be like well it's not total shit <laughs> the highest compliment <laughs> yes yes the highest of compliments did you get to like noodle around with his art supplies then oh yeah oh yeah he had we had a in our basement we had this like old refrigerator that wasn't hooked up and my dad just like had all of his old like art school stuff in there he never finished but he had gone to art school and he had like all this whole paper um i remember he had like a whole pack like a big pack of prismacolors which were probably i mean they're expensive now they were probably so much more expensive um and then he had like rapidographs and uh like all this like cool like um what is it called uh like letter set type stuff like all this neat weird like carbon paper and transfer paper and all this cool crazy stuff that you get only at like art specialty stores and I was like yo this is nice and it's like arts and crafts but like with cool stuff yeah and my dad was like well I'm not using it so go ahead and uh you know he would he would noodle around but he had like very low self-esteem about it so like he he's like kind of stopped painting and drawing but it was like he was always like you know like telling me like yeah yeah keep it up keep it up but yeah he had all a bunch of cool stuff in the basement so I had like this big paper that I could draw on like really oh, big dude. paper and then, you know, everybody in the family was like, oh, Heather draws. So they used to always just let me. So it's <laughs> probably just like hours of self-entertainment. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, ask me how many teachers wrote notes home being like, your daughter is not applying herself. She keeps finishing, like, her assignments really fast and then drawing on them. And my dad was like, well, <laughs> something else to do, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and eventually... Uh with all that art as a foundational period for you, you went to art school. Is this mm -hmm. also because your dad went? Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I was all, like, I didn't really do a lot of research. Neither of my parents finished. Well, my dad didn't finish college. I don't think my mom went to college. And it was cool. like, I had the idea in my head that I was like, I'm going to go to art school in Philly because that's, that's where I was born. Um, I split a lot of my time there growing up because my fam a lot of my family is still down in Philly. And I was like, I'm gonna go to art school in Philly because dad went to art school. My dad went to like Pitt <laughs> and did that. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 for a minute, like GI Bill stuff like that. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, but I, I was like, I'm always gonna go. And everyone was like, cool, I guess Heather draws, she's gonna go to art school. 
<laughs> I applied to the one art school I knew about, <laughs> which was UArts, and uh, didn't apply anywhere else because I had no idea how I would go about applying to colleges, and somehow I got in. <laughs> it was very exciting. Everyone was like, holy crap. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to go to college. What, what do we do? And everyone's like, we don't know. <laughs> it was it was a it was a moment <laughs> oh dude that is wild and so you're you did a lot of like uh actual tangible art textural stuff when yeah. did you start transferring into like digital because i know you get you're like a super it person as well yeah <laughs> accidentally uh yeah i i didn't touch digital art until I want to say the last six months of my college experience. Wait, um, seriously? Yeah, <laughs> I I went. I had it in my head that I was going to be a pen and ink person early on, and then I was going to be a prolific watercolorist. Watercolor is really freaking hard. Like, real like it's such a pain in the ass. Like I I like it, but I also kind of hate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, all through college, I was doing a lot of pen and ink stuff. When I was able to do my own, like choose my medium, I liked pen and ink. And uh, I remember I didn't ever actually get taught how to use Photoshop or like use graphics tablets or anything like that. Um, when I was in school, our illustration department actually had two tracks. Like you could go traditionally or you can go digitally. And I had no idea about digital art. Like my high school didn't have access to any of that stuff. So I had no idea about it. So I went traditional route. And by the time my uh, senior thesis rolled around, it got to the point where it was like the UART senior thesis, you have to make four cohesive pieces of art that fit together. Okay. I did I did like a web comic of Miss Frisbee and the Rats of Nim with no words because I didn't know how to letter. Um, and uh, I was seeing my now husband and he's he was completely like knew how to work Photoshop and all that stuff. And I was living with him at the time. And uh, he had like, he was watching me like work traditionally and like scan it into the computer and compile it in the computer. And he's like watching me going like, oh, you have no idea what you're doing. And I'd be asking him like, how do I make the paper go away and just the line stay so I can color it? And he's like, guess I'm teaching you how to use Photoshop. <laughs> and like, the first two the first two of the four images on my thesis are completely pen and ink and like watercolor wash the last two are totally digital and oh, wow. it, it got to the point where it's like you're working on the same project for six months and you have to edit it and edit it and redraw and i was like what am i this i can't keep like pulling out paper getting my little ink brushes out and it takes so long. Oh, did you smudge it? Oh, is your ink all screwy? Oh, you might need to go buy a new brush because you got your brush all screwed up. And it was just taking forever. And I was like, I need to go faster. Um, so I kind of got a crash course in Photoshop and how to use a graphics tablet from my husband and kind of just fumbled my way through it. I, I broke his computer making that because it's like slightly like animated. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. I made like something like a 400 layer GIF. It was insane. Like what that, that file is a mess. Nothing's labeled. It was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was, it was desperation. Like the theme of my Eli was like desperation. <laughs> it, it was, it was wild. <laughs> that but, is insane. Yeah. So that's when I started doing digital and then I never looked back. Uh, 
So, cause it's just so fast and I was able to like kind of mimic what I was doing anyway with ink and textures. So I was like, why, why would I bother drawing with a pencil? <laughs> was that process then getting to know digital stuff? Was it pretty seamless and, and speedy for you? Yeah, I think once I learned like hotkeys and stuff like that, or like, you know, found out like I could ask somebody and be like, hey, how do you get this effect or, or would do something the hard way for years and then somebody would be like, you know, you could just hit this button and it'll do that. And I'd be like, oh shit, really? So <laughs> like nip, like stylus to, to, to the graphics tablet was pretty seamless, but um, learning Photoshop is a never ending thing. I'm still learning Photoshop. I still don't know what I'm doing totally, um, but yeah, it works, works for me. Do you ever go back and, and noodle around with, with just traditional stuff? Yeah, I, this weekend I was drawing people on the tram and I was going home and uh, somebody, I was like, please don't catch me. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen enough Reddit videos where it's like, stranger paints someone on the train and the person's always like, oh, oh. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be like, I, my luck, they'd be like, what are you doing? How dare you? <laughs> And I'd be like, I'm sorry, it's a really nice picture. And they'd be like, no, it's not. My face doesn't look like that. And I'd be like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's my bad. <laughs> and so when did you start, like, becoming a professional artist person? Oh, I think, like, I was doing, like, paid work in college. But it's like, you know, somebody will be like, hey, can you make a logo for my, my thing? And I was, like, on this, like, Fiverr. It was, like, a proto Fiverr. I forget what it was called. But I was doing, like, you know, like, 50 bucks here, 70 bucks there. Yeah. So I'm going to call that professional. I was getting paid for my stuff. And uh, I still had a full-time job. I was working IT um, at that same school uh, that I graduated from. I never left. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it was, it, it afforded me the time to actually like work while working, which was nice. Um, as you know, as long as I was not like fobbing off my duties at the help desk, mm -hmm. my, my, the people that were overseeing me were like, yeah, no, it's whatever. Just, you know, answer the phone when the phone answers. And if somebody walks up, you know, don't be like, oh, hold on a second. Wait, I have to finish this line. <laughs> <laughs> so I was fortunate about like to have that. But I was doing like I, I did Buffy the Vampire Slayer when I still had a full time job. That wasn't really. Hard. Yeah. So I I like it's not like I always see, feel bad for people when they say like, oh, I'm not a professional artist. I have a day job. It's like, man, I worked for Disney and I still had a day job, you know, mm. like. Disney Fox, you know, whatever, Mondo, whoever, like, was all the partnership people in there. It's like, you're still a professional if you have a day job, and health insurance is important, so, you know, I, I count that, but yeah, it wasn't, it was right before the pandemic, I, I quit my day job and started doing this full-time, which was, like, really just great timing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, you alluded to the, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer game. How did you get into, like, the gaming world? Because you do a lot of uh art for for tabletop games yeah fell uh like ass overhead into that uh accidentally <laughs> um <laughs> my husband and a friend of ours started a, a board game company um and they wanted to make board games and uh we had all gone to the same school for illustration and uh my husband doesn't really like he doesn't work professionally in illustration he went in a totally different direction but they all wanted to make a tabletop game they're into like that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and uh they ended up making this game called beneath nexus and the art aspect of it was going to be a huge money sink like they had won this um they had won a like a like an incubator grant um through like a creative business 
competition and they, they, had to, they had to pitch it and stuff like that. And they won and they had all this, they had a startup capital, but they were like, art's really expensive. And as you know, people that had gone to art school, they didn't want to, they were very sensitive about like, they didn't want to hire artists and then like underpay. Yeah. So at the time I was like, not really doing anything. I just, I think I like, I was at just like slightly just out of school, a year or two out of school. And I was like, well, I mean, I'll like, you don't need to pay me. I have like a day job and I know you guys and like, seeing one of you seriously like i live in your <laughs> house um i was like give me the give me the bulk of it and then you know hire some like student interns and then like actually pay them mm -hmm. um you know we still it was still underpaid but i think we used it as like a like a teaching moment it's like hey listen if you get hired for a job and they can only offer you a hundred dollars per finished piece of art give them only a hundred dollars worth of your time so that's kind of how we phrased it like we don't want to like we don't want to like take more of your time than we are paying for. So hundred dollars yeah. worth of your time. So we had like a bunch of people, like a bunch of students that did a lot of the card art. And I think I, I did a lot of the, I did like the box art and like some of the main big stuff uh, just to kind of take the edge off the bill. Yeah. And uh, they did, a, they went on Kickstarter, it funded, um, people liked it. Uh, they went to like, you know, packs and felt like packs unplugged and stuff like that. And a bunch of uh, more local stuff. And, uh, it was it was an interesting in and I, I had never thought of like doing game art as like a a thing i it had never occurred to me and uh after that because they were involved with a bunch of like local like game makers guild like philly game makers guild like you can come together as like a think tank and like bring your game and like play test it and like talk to other people who are making games that's so cool yeah it was re it's really nice it's a great community um and through that um, I guess they were spitballing with a couple other groups that were making games and my name got passed around and that's how I got kids on bikes and kids on bikes. I, it was like my first like big job that I didn't realize was big at the time. Like, um, Doug, uh, Lewandowski and John Gilmore reached out to me and I had no idea who they were. Um, <laughs> and they were like, Hey, we're doing like this Goonies, like paper girl esque thing. And you know, we're, it's like, I was just doing a rule book cause it's an RPG. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know, sure. And I was like, you know, fresh newbie artist. Like I had no idea how to write a contract or anything. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we just heard from you from the kids on, or the, the Nexus guys. And, you know, do you want to do it? And lo and behold, the damn thing takes off. Like, it's like super popular. Um, they got picked up by Restorate or Renegade Games. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a, it has a bit of a following. I was like, oh shit. Oh, okay. And I was like, totally, I don't play games. <laughs> and I was like, damn, all right. And I still work with them to this day and they're great people. And it's been a lot of fun. We've done a lot of iterations on it, but from that, uh, the people from, uh, you know, Mondo saw me, um, and I got the Buffy gig and like, other stuff I can't think of at the moment. <laughs> and it's just like super random. Like, like they're like, oh, and you know, I do panels at Pat's like, what's your favorite tabletop game? I'm like, kind of hate playing games because I can't <laughs> directions in my head and I get bored and then I start like messing on my cell phone. And people are like, you have to pay attention, it's your turn. I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so it was kind of funny that I was working in tabletop games without like being part of it but the community was always extremely welcoming so it was a nice thing to accidentally fall into so and that's almost like a similar way that you stumbled into comics too right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, games and comics are like Tom, my husband's big thing. And he's always like, man, you're just out there stealing my dreams, aren't you? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's like somebody would get up to like at me and they're like, do you ever do comic work? And I'm like, I never did comics in college. Um, I know people that do comics. I knew comics, like sequ sequential art was its own thing. Um, not just drawing good, but knowing how to like sequentially tell a story, like storyboarding was a whole thing. And you and uh, the people at um, that did Hellbent contacted me within like weeks of each other. Like, you want to do some comics? And I was like, I have no idea what I'm, I'm doing, but if you want to <laughs> take a chance on me. <laughs> and then all said I was okay at it. So I guess I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of snowballed from there. A little I bit. Guess one could say. But yeah, uh, like the the GI like I got to do like the B cover of a GI Joe, which is I guess out on the twenty the twenty third of this month. I haven't gone to my comic shop yet to look for it, but it's out oh, there. Oh, dude, and I didn't either. Yeah, so that's out there. Um, I did another one that I don't think I can mention yet, but that'll be fun. That'll be out soon for another uh, like comic people thing. That, another comic company that people have heard of. Which I was excited about because I knew I I I saw the the email signature line and I was like oh shit I know who they are, um, <laughs> which is as you know a highlight of my career like asking you you guys in our little chat or asking my husband like hey have you ever heard of like IDW and he's like are you kidding me yes uh, what do you mean they're on our shelf downstairs and I'm like oh 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 so it's yeah oh okay oh shit so it's good. It's yeah, a good like how thing. excited should I be? Should I be very excited? So yeah. <laughs> Hello there. My name is Don Cardenas, and I'm here to invite you to check out my podcast, the 2021 Grantee Award-winning Comics Coffee Medal, where I interview creatives in, around, and about the worlds of, you guessed it, Comics Coffee and Metal. I've already had such amazing guests on my show, including, but not limited to, Liana Kangas, Mike Norton, John O'Diener, Michael Conrad, Sophie Campbell, Guitar Max Carlisle, Andrew Baina, and of course, the word bros themselves, Bob and Kevin. Comics Coffee Metal is available on all the major podcast services, and you can find it directly at comicscoffeemetal.com. I hope to see you there, and now I return you to Into the Comics Cave with the amazing, awesome, talented, um, tall, handsome, uh, what else did I say? Definitely over six feet tall, smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? Alright. Grant Stoy. There, I said it. Get my money now. Um, Heather, I've got a question for you. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen those videos of like people take McDonald's cheeseburger and leave it on the counter for like a yeah. month? Yeah. And it doesn't disintegrate? Yeah. How fucked up is it that we as a human collective keep eating that stuff? Listen, humans eat a lot of like questionable things. <laughs> like I think a hamburger that doesn't rot is like the least questionable thing. Like lobsters are questionable. Like I like seafood, but you ever think about eating a lobster? It's a bug. Is it it's, just, it's a, yeah, it's just a sea bug. Yeah, it's, ooh. I wouldn't eat a bug, but I'll eat a lobster. And what does that say? I don't know. <laughs> At least the hamburger is, I don't know, in my head, more norm normal, even if it doesn't age. Like it's perpetual. 
Uh, and how fucked up is it that people in Philly eat like the most disgusting food, but it's somehow delicious? It's not. You're talking about scrapple. It's fine. It's <laughs> no different than like meatloaf or like what else is a food that's like. It's a hot. It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. Like sausage is ground scrapple up. Scrapple is you... not a hot dog. No, it's the same. It's the same. It's the what? Please, please tell me what 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 is the traditional description of scrapple? It's of of a pig. It's like everything but the oink or something like that. Yes, that's so gross. It's not though. If you fry it till it's crispy and like put some like you know you get dippy egg on that or like ketchup. Oh yeah, it's good. That's, out it's of good. all the questions I've ever asked, scrapple is the most fucked up. It's not. It sounds horrible. I'm trying to think of like a gross Philly thing, but scrapple well, ain't it. The one thing that I'm genuinely intrigued about Philly is the uh, what the the taco thing you described, like the yeah. sandwich in a pizza slice. Yeah, I you know that's like I feel like it has to be a tourist thing. Like, have I tried doing it? Like to take the piss? Absolutely. Like, yeah, like a gym steak is like a good. It's a it's a fine steak, and usually if you're on South Street. Like I like going to a bar called Tattooed Moms, and if I'm like feeling that alcohol, I want a slice from Lorenzo's because they're bigger than my head, and that really does hit the spot. And uh, if the line at Jim's isn't like six blocks long, and somebody or somebody has a Jim's cheesesteak, I would be like, oh, let's wrap it in a pizza, make a Philly taco. But would I ever go out of my way to do it? No. <laughs> really? I mean, like that's that's grosser than Scrabble. You think, really, Wrap honestly. A slice of pizza around a whole cheese steak at like three o'clock in the well, That's not good for you. Well, I mean, probably. But, okay, sub question on this because the Philly taco is my favorite thing about Philly aside from gritty. Um, <laughs> does it depend on what's on the pizza or does it have to be like just a cheese pizza? Usually from Lorenzo's because what they Lorenzo's is just like you, like you get a slice it it is plain and they are just moving pizza because they they're getting slammed by like the bar crowd and they don't have time oh, yeah. to like oh I want like toppings it's like no nah, you get a slice of goddamn pizza and then you you can take it to the side and you put your cheese or your hot pepper on it whatever but I think some nights a week they do they'll do pepperoni but it's it's a plain slice. Uh, just for ease of production, like just got people out, just get people out. Um, so, would I have a Philly? I think if you're having a Philly taco and you're using it like a fancy pizza with like you know you got peppers and onions, that's like I don't know. I thought that's that's logistically a lot and you know structurally potentially unstable. It sounds like it's just it's overkill, really. From yeah. how you're describing it, it's like why yeah. would you why would you do this much to something that you don't need it? Exactly. And also, you're probably wasted. Do you have the time mm. and the mental acuity to put together a Philly taco if there's so much, like, if you have all these, like, separate variables to think of? If you can't say Capicola when you're ordering a pizza, do you really deserve fancy meats on it? Well, here we'd say Gabagool. <laughs> so you have to be told to get out. <laughs> Hey, yo, we only have a gabagool. Hey, yo. 
You gotta sound like Sylvester Stallone after like he goes around like like in Rocky Four after like Ivan Drago beats the shit out of him. That's why you got if you walk up to your pizza guy or your your cheesesteak guy and you just gotta be like, hey, oh, yeah, hey, oh, give me give me a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that you know, the official Philly greeting now? Yeah, basically. Hey, oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't believe I actually want to visit Philly someday. Because it's of great. it's from the descriptors. It sounds like it's literally falling into the earth and everyone's okay it with it. Well, I mean, it brings us together as a community to 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 all come together and be like the pothole um like sixth and McKean. Everybody knows about the pothole in Sixth and McKean. I think it's Sixth and McKean. And it will wreck your car. And everybody talks about it. The pothole around the corner for me that like shakes my house. Like we all talk about it and we like we come together as a as a citizenry. Like I talk to my neighbors all the time about like our street sinking. Like people from out of town try to park on my street and they go to open their driver's side door and they can't because it hits the curb because the street has sunk too deep. And then we all sit outside in the summertime. We're like, yeah, that's a bitch ain't. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, if someone were to, and this is a general someone, not, it's just a hypothetical. If someone were to spray paint a dick over a pothole, do you think that pothole will get fixed? I know for a fact it will get fixed. The tried oh. and true method in the city. Yes. <laughs> spray painting a dick on a pothole will get that pothole filled. Will it be filled well? No. <laughs> what if, what if you just keep doing dicks on the same thing until it's like perfect? I don't know. Maybe I get. Maybe this is this is the podcast that gives gives me like removes my plausible deniability when the city comes looking for who spray painted dicks all up and down my street to get the road mm-hmm. fixed. Like this is how I end up in jail <laughs> by admitting yeah. here on this podcast. <laughs> this is all hypothetical. All hypothetical. Uh, and how many dicks do you think it would take to get a perfect, a perfect filling? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can get a perfect filling. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a lot of spray paint. It's a lot of dicks. And that's a lot of asphalt. <laughs> a lot of dicks and a lot of asphalt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, Peter, we are at the point. Where I'm going to ask you five questions that we ask everybody on this show. Are you ready? I am prepared. <laughs> I'm glad you're prepared. Number one, what is your favorite sequential art sound effect? Oh, that's a good one because it's like, is it like crunch? Is it like, you know, the sound of a ball rock where it's like just like scraping? cinder block against the ground that's a good sound yeah. to try and figure out that's a good sound i like that sound if you were to articulate that sound like you're writing it down on a piece of paper for a, a, a letterist how would you spell it i think it? like k r and a bunch of c's and then h All right. yeah i think yeah. you know what oh wow. final answer. <laughs> <laughs> number two what is something that you love about sequential art? Um, I think I, 
Um, I think it helps you to be loose to have to go so fast. Like, uh, I think the first comic I ever did, I got really in there and noodly because I didn't know that, you know, when you're doing like 20, 30 pages, you have to kind of get going on that. Um, yeah. And I, I think that sometimes having having the powers that be be like, well, you don't have like six months to do this page, Heather. You got to finish the whole damn book. Um, and forcing yourself to be okay with it is always something that I've struggled with and kind of having a gun to your head saying you have to be okay with it is kind of a thing I like. It, it takes it takes that out of the equation so I don't have to worry about it. I just have to go fast. And not every panel will be a good panel, but a lot of them are, thank God. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it can probably get fixed up with just like uh, the oh, colors. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The art of letting go and hanging on loosely. <laughs> That almost sounds like that one song from the 80s. Yes. Hold on loosely by, oh, I can't remember the hood by. Hold on loosely. That's the one. <laughs> um. So number three, what is something you dislike about sequential art? Oh my God, it takes, like, every, I know everybody says it takes forever. Like, drawing the same character for, like, my life. And it's like, okay, I kind of hate, I want to draw something different um with a close second is like if i'm drawing like a car scene and it's like the camera's outside and the camera's inside i'm dyslexic and i'm like cool what side's the steering wheel on oh continuity issues continuity issues you know i'm gonna rescind that yeah no number one is continuity issues that's what i hate most about <laughs> oh man and awkwardly enough it's not horses because you're the only person <laughs> i've ever met that's like bring me the horses no i could draw horses and bikes with my eyes closed literally i've tried <laughs> what does that say about me i don't know uh i'm really looking forward to asking you this question because i don't know if you have this particular thing but what is your favorite curse word that's not a curse word um oh uh <laughs> okay wait um calling somebody a toe-eyed cabbage um, I forget oh. where I read that, but that is hysterical. That is very funny. Mm -hmm. And and um, after forcing myself to rewatch the the animated My Immortal Harry Potter fan fiction, <laughs> um, when Dumbledore calls calls the the the, the main character Dementia Ravenway or whatever her name is a horny simpleton. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, it's horny simpleton and mediocre dunce. Those are great. I don't want to rewatch that thing, but I feel like I have to because I do not remember that. Oh, they're great. You should do it. <laughs> uh, that's so bad. Okay. <laughs> so, Heather, you just decided to go for a swim in a quarry. And the bad part is the earth has finally had enough of Pennsylvania. And it begins to swallow everything in that vicinity, including you. So you have been consumed by your home state, and now you're dead, and I'm sorry. Okay. So you go to heaven, and you see. <laughs> I like that you're laughing at the you go to heaven part. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, sure. For the point of this podcast, I go to heaven. Sure. <laughs> you go to what some perceive as heaven. Uh, and you see uh, a tiny man 
and a wife beater sitting at a drafting table, table just chain-smoking cigars. And it's Jack Kirby. And he looks at you and makes eye contact. What do you think he says? Do you know who I am? And I probably say, <laughs> who? I mean, I know Jack Kirby's name, but I couldn't pick him out of a crowd. You know what? That's fair. Just, yeah, just imagine, like, a dude with very thick black eyebrows. And he has previously enjoyed killing Nazis. And now he's just drawing really wild-ass comic stuff. That's him. You know what? I think we get along. The chain, I mean, I don't chain smoke, but, you know, the sitting around in, like, various states of, like, trash dress and, like, chain drinking coffee, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And muttering about art. I think we get along. Also, like, yeah, hell yeah, kill the Nazis. Do it up. <laughs> Do it up. I think we get along. But I wouldn't you know be able to tell who he was, though. I'd be like, well, which is on brand. It is very on brand. <laughs> Heather, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, where can folks find you on the socials? Um, I'm on uh, ye old Instagram. Um, I'm going to check right now what that Instagram handle is because I never remember. Because uh, I'm an elder millennial. And uh, the internet confuses me. It's H-V-O-N-8-8. Of course, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, no, why would it be my name spelled right, right? Um, and then on ye old Twitter, it's H underscore V-O-N-N. It's weird. Can't spell it right. Can't spell it right. <laughs> if you had an art station, would it be H underscore V-O-H triple N? Probably. I think I do have an art station. I don't remember what it is, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably spelled wrong. It's probably spelled wrong. Like, let me Google it real quick. Let's see. No, no, I'm curious. I'm invested in this search. Art station. No, spell station wrong. Oh, art station. Um, oh, it's just Heather Vaughn. My name's spelled right. Out of all the different things that you have. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's just Heather Vaughn. Well, there we go. Uh, Check out Heather's art station for how to spell her name. Good luck finding it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you again for for hopping on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a fun (laughs) chit-chat. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff. <laughs>